two more times. Two more times we get to talk about Jesus. Well, especially his claim. Seven times Jesus makes the claim, I am. And with those two words, he says very clearly to us, he is God. And then he goes on to use various images. Seven times I am, but then explanations, unfoldings of just what that means. I love it, but I hate repetition. It just doesn't go well with me. When somebody at work, somebody in a home, uh, even in sermons, to repeat, uh, but you know, I hate it, but I need it. It does me good, ask my wife. <laughs> it helps. It helps me remember and do what I need to do. It is easier, however, if when repeated, somebody paints a little different picture of what is requested or what is. And that's the beauty of Jesus' statements. I am God, but then these different pictures of what it is to be God in human flesh and Savior of the world. Different way deepens our understanding of who he is and what God would have us do and how he is for us. It broadens the point Jesus does when he says, I am. Repeat it to be sure. Now, repeating, the Old Testament uses that image a lot. In a number of different cases, it is God the gardener and his people, the Jewish people, his vineyard. And so when Jesus spoke in these terms, people understood. They understood the background. The Jewish people to whom he spoke, they would remember Psalm 80. They would remember what you and I heard from Isaiah a few moments ago in chapter 5. And also in the 27th chapter of Isaiah, just to mention a few places. And by saying this, Jesus reminded, he identified himself as the Israel in a person. He was all of God's people in one person, the perfect person who didn't do what Old Testament Israel much did, where God had to lay waste to wake them up. He is the true Israel. And I can only imagine how people heard those words. I can only imagine what offense they took when Jesus claimed to be God and the very true Israelite, the one and only. Mixing metaphors a bit, but they caught it. They understood, and no doubt it put a number of them back on their heels, maybe even rejecting Jesus or maybe beginning to light a spark of faith in them. And then you and I come into the picture. It was the Jewish people as a nation, the vineyard, but we fit in too here because Jesus is speaking to us in these words. And you know, Paul unfolds this picture relative to us Gentiles. You know what he writes in Romans? He says, we're the wild olive shoot that has been grafted into the vine. Jesus is for us too, you see. The Son of God wants to connect and does connect with us. 
not just his people of old, but you and me, a wild olive shoot, but we're grafted in to make it plain. Therefore, grafted in to God. So, so, what do branches do? Well, you know, any living thing does something. A stone, a rock, not so much. A chair, a pew, doesn't act. A building, it has no breath, it doesn't do a thing but stand there. But living things, living things produce. It's their nature, it is what life is all about. And we too, you see, we are alive, connected to the Lord, to be sure. And there's a twofold goal in all of this. It is, first of all, to be connected to God. And speaking of repetition, let me repeat. God made a beautiful world, as Pastor Sean was saying. But the relationships, we broke them. We, we broke relationship with God, even through our ancestors, it comes down to us. We break, we rebel, and there's separation between us and God, us and each other, us and nature. Even seen as recently as this past week, but God wouldn't let it be. God put into a plan to connect, reconnect us to himself. He sent his son, the very son of God, and became a human being. And in Jesus, God and humanity were connected. I know, I'm repeating the image, a different image, but the same reality. Jesus is the one who has come to reconnect us to God so that we can have life, so that, in fact, we will produce. Now, understand... Jesus is not pointing a finger and telling us, produce as a piece of direction, as a piece of law. No, he's just saying how it is. He's saying that when he has connected us to God, that's what happens. We produce. You know, we Lutherans are very good at a number of things. Other things, well, we're very good about the scriptural point of view at the very center, Jesus, and that it's grace alone through Jesus. He loves us, not because we're good, but because he's good, and only because he's good. He has forgiven us in Jesus, not because of anything we've done, but because he is love, because he wants, because he does reconnect us. It's all about Jesus, you see, that we have correct. But sometimes, sometimes we stop there. It's important to be sure, but there is more. Have you ever thought about this? Once God reconnects, why doesn't he just take us to heaven? Once faith is instilled in us, why doesn't he just us right up to be with himself, totally connected forever? Yes, Ever wondered about that? Ephesians 2 tells us. We look at those verses in verses 8 and 9, for by grace you've been saved through faith. Not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. Not of works, as anybody should boast. Another image, 
repeating the same reality. But then it goes on to verse 10 to say that we were recreated to do good works. To produce is the outcome. That's what St. Paul got at in a very same kind of way, repeated all over in the New Testament. But in chapter 7 of his letter to the Romans, he wrote this, So my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead. Different image, same reality, in order that we might bear fruit for God. See the connection? That we might bear fruit, produce for God. Jesus is repeating himself. The scripture is repeating itself, but we need it. We need to understand. Now, there's one other aspect of this that Jesus doesn't mention in this analogy he gives, more than analogy, and that's patience. There's that one more thing about the short parable he told in Luke chapter 13 about the man who saw a dead fig tree. Remember that one? And he said, let's chop it down. It's not producing. And someone in the parable said, give it time. Give it time and we'll see what happens. And then we'll come back. And if it hasn't produced any fruit, then we'll cut it down. That's Jesus in the parable, you see, saying, give it time. Give it a chance. Let's be patient. I'll be patient so that it bears fruit as the outcome. Jesus waits patiently. He waits patiently for you and for me for something to happen. Produce patience. And then prune the peas. This reminds me of something. Was it one or probably two years ago? My wife plants all these beautiful flowers around the house. She's planting, transplanting, and all the rest. And me, I get to do some of the other kinds of work, you know, clean up. And I, I, there was this bush, a beautiful red Diablo bush. Okay, I saw some dead branches. Got out the snippers, snip here, snip there, snip a number of places, and I think, eh, oh, there's some more. And I kept snipping and snipping, and I don't know if I went into a trance or whatever. All of a sudden, they looked, and the whole bush was gone. <laughs> the whole bush was gone. I mean, it was this much that was left. And I'm going, oh, no. I guess I better go to the nursery. <laughs> I best get out the credit card and take care of this. And then, then we learned, no, no, just leave it be. I wasn't pruning the bush. But in essence, the same thing happened. I cut it back, and you know what? This bush is taller than me today. In a very short period of time, this grew to this. And that's, you see, with a different circumstance, what pruning does when we are pruned as the vine and its branches. We are in the picture. Now, I don't know whether pruning a plant creates pain in that plant. But I do know that when we're pruned, it hurts. And sometimes it hurts a lot. That's the way it is. When trouble or tragedy come, there's a lot of pain. A little to a lot. And you know what we do? You know how we respond? It's like, why me? Oh, what did I do that was wrong? Is God punishing me? 
Is that what this is all about? Or is God absent and just doesn't care and this happens to be by happens to me by my fault or somebody else's fault? And we begin to turn inward, perhaps then, and say, gosh, it couldn't have been me. It must have been God. It must have been something wrong with him, not with me. And we get in all of this a rather egocentric point of view of trouble, of tragedy, and difficulties that come our way. Jesus, however, says no. No, not always. Not always at all. This is to make you strong and stronger still to produce. If ever you are wondering about the difficulties you experience, look at it from God's point of view. Look at what Jesus is saying here and his purpose in all of this. We may not like it to repeat. It may be difficult for us to get through, but God uses anything from our errors and waywardness to our cutting ourselves off to somebody else giving us difficulties. He uses it. You know, I've seen this, and so have you, in soldiers on the battlefield. They get terribly injured. We know the stories. We read them. We hear them. They come back, missing a limb, problems mentally and otherwise, and they find purpose. When they can sometimes be despairing, when God works in them, they find a a purpose that's maybe new, maybe sharper than ever. And God uses a disability, a circumstance in pruning for his purpose. Hey, I've experienced this many times over, even in this ministry I'm grateful to have received from God. Another story, but nonetheless true. Understanding that Jesus is the vine and we are the branches and we produce and he's pruning It gives us a whole new, a better perspective on life and what's happening around us. All for one purpose, inherent in what I'm saying, but worth noting. And that is so that we produce fruit. And not just any kind of fruit. Jesus said, lasting fruit. Pruning doesn't make us worse. It makes us better. That's what Jesus said. That's his truth. And with it, we produce fruit that lasts. And here's the key. Talk about repetition. Seven I am's. Seven times in this I am, Jesus uses the word abide. Abide. When do you use that word? I don't use it often. Abide? Maybe someone will say, my abode Same word, where we live. And that's what Jesus is saying. Make your home with me. Stay connected. That doesn't mean live in church. Although this is a good place to be because God feeds us here as we hear his word and as we receive Christ himself somehow, miraculously, in bread and wine to fill us, to give us that energy to produce fruit that lasts. But in every circumstance, he will produce, help us produce lasting fruit. The good news is that Jesus provides. He gives us all we need. 
And you know these words he spoke then and to us today? You know when he first said them? It was shortly before he died. He began to put things in perspective for those 12 disciples and for people like you and me who follow him today. And he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He said that after this. And he's going to help. He's going to connect. He's going to keep you connected to me. And with that, your life. With that, your production. That's what Jesus has provided. Our part is simply to do what the Holy Spirit enables us to do without cutting ourselves off. Let me repeat. What Jesus is teaching here, I am God himself. I am the true Israel. I am the source of life, the vine. Connected to me, you're going to produce. You will, to be sure. I will prune you, and you will produce even more, even greater things. Abide. Stay in me, and you will bear much fruit. Do I need to say it again? Maybe not today, but let's keep it in mind. Amen. God is good. He's done good. He'll continue to do good in you for lasting fruit's sake.